God's redemptive process involves key elements of time, sacrifice, forgiveness, and restoration. We are here to be co-workers with God in this redemptive process. Stay tuned for more. All right, why don't we get up, stand up to our feet, make our declaration this morning. Uh, if you brought your Bible, I'd encourage you to hold it high up in the air with me. And uh, let's make our declaration loud, bold, and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive his word, I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. This morning we are uh, concluding our uh, three-part series, the last three Sundays, the last two Sundays plus today. Uh, We've been talking about... The redemptive heart of God. Uh, Just to quickly review uh, some of the um, key points that we've been uh, looking at over the last couple of weeks. uh, As we've been talking about the redemptive heart of God. Is that God's heart is redemptive in nature. God always seeks to restore things. He, He never quits on what he starts. And he loves and saves To the uttermost, no matter what the cost, God always looks to bring things back to himself and things back to their original uh, design, their original intent and purpose. He's redemptive. And so the challenge we presented to us is that we are called to be like him. We are called to be redemptive in our view of things and the way we look at things in our own lives and the lives of people around us. So when you talk about redemption of, or of this redemptive work, what we're really saying is that when something deviates from its original plan and design, it goes away from what God really intended for it. And when it is released from whatever bondage or captivity it's gone into or recovered and restored back to its original design, we call that redemption. Bringing things back to the way God intended is redemption. And... Uh, the reason we are talking about God's redemptive heart and, help, and trying to understand the redemptive heart of God is so that we, under, we will know how he works in our lives to redeem things back to himself. Or when we co-labor with God to see his redemptive work come in other people's lives, that we will know how to work with him, co-labor with him to see his redemptive work take place in people's lives. So we need to understand God's heart and how he goes about this. Um, I just want to make, clarify something here about positional truth and practical working. You know, positionally, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are all redeemed. We are the redeemed of the Lord. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We are the redeemed of the Lord. In Christ, we have been translated out of darkness and have been translated into the kingdom of his own dear son. This is already done. It's an established truth. 
There is no question about it. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Now that is positional truth. That means it is spiritual reality. It's unquestionable in the spiritual realm. God's already done this work. It is so. However, in everyday life, in practical life, you and I know that there are so many things in our lives that are not in order. Things may have gone out of order, gone wrong from its original design. A person can get saved, he's redeemed in the Lord, but yet, you know, he could be in bondage to addictions. They could be hurt, emotional hurt and pain, carrying it with uh, him or her, carrying in in themselves from the past. Uh, Maybe professionally things have gone wrong. Uh, Marriages could go wrong. So many areas of our lives could go wrong. And although positionally we are redeemed in Christ, God seeks to release his redemptive work into these areas of life, of our lives, and, and, and see them restored, see them redeemed, see his purpose come through, all of that. So that's what we're talking about. Are you with me so far? Right? So we're not in any way questioning uh, the fact that positionally in Christ we are redeemed, we are healed, we are delivered. But the outworking of it in practical life, everyday life, we've got to see things redeemed unto himself in our own lives. And that's what we're talking about. How God goes about redeeming things in our own lives back to himself. So many areas of our lives that could be wrong. That could have gone uh, off, of, uh, away from God's original design. So we've been talking about different things. In the very first message, we established the fact that God's heart is redemptive in nature. That God really seeks to draw, get things back to himself. And, and, and we saw from the Old Testament, the New Testament... The redemptive heart of God revealed. How that even in the community life of his own people. He put things uh, in their lives. Like the year of Jubilee. Or the kinsman redeemer. uh, Teaching his people to be redemptive. See how you can have things restored. Back to their original place. So he wanted his people. To also be redemptive like him. In the message last Sunday. We talked about the nature of God's redemptive work. The fact that it is all birthed out of unconditional love. He redeems us. He, he releases redemptive work in our lives. No matter what we've done. Because he still loves us. I mean, we can mess up real bad. But he still reaches out in love to redeem us. We talked about the fact that he requires us to co-labor with him. To see his redemptive work unfold. We talked about the fact that sometimes in his redemptive work. There is the, there, uh, the thing about discipline. He may need to correct us. We may need to receive correction in our lives. In order to see things redeemed unto himself. So we talked about that. And we talked about the fact that when God restores. He always does better than what it was in the beginning. Amen. He not only brings it back to its original state. But he takes it even further than that. We I talked about those things last Sunday. This morning, as we conclude this series, I want to talk about the key elements in God's redemptive process. Meaning when God is working out his redemptive uh, work in the lives of people, in our own lives, or in the lives of people, those around us, what are some of the key elements we need to recognize and be aware of, be conscious about, so that we can co-labor with God accurately and work together with him? And uh, here are... Four, there are four key elements that we see in scripture in God's redemptive process. It involves key elements of time, sacrifice, forgiveness, and restoration. Four key elements. Time, sacrifice, forgiveness, and restoration. We're going to talk about each of these. 
And the reason we need to be aware of these is so that as we are receiving God's redemptive work in our own lives, or as we are co-laboring with God to administer his redemptive work in the lives of people around us, we need to be conscious of these four things. Time, sacrifice, forgiveness, and restoration. So let's begin talking about time. What we see in scripture is that God always unfolds his redemptive work in the fullness of time. He unfolds his redemptive work. Now, God was and is always at work. But what we see is that the specifics of that redemptive work take place in the fullness of time. In the great plan of redemption. In Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 and 5, we read these. Read this, this word. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So even this great plan of redemption, God spoke about it in the Garden of Eden. He said, I'll send the seed of the woman, she will crush the head of the serpent. But he didn't do it the next day. He didn't do it after a hundred years. Not even after a thousand years. Four thousand years later, he sent his son. Amen? Now in, our, in our time frame, 4,000 years is, is a pretty long time. Very long. Not so with God. Now he was always at work in that 4,000 year period. He was always getting things ready. He was, you know, uh, uh, he, he called a man named Abraham. Uh, established a covenant with him, raised up a, gener- a nation through him, the 12 tribes, he gave them the law, he, he gave them so many things that were pointing them, to, pointing them to Jesus, the prophets came, prophesied. So God was always at work, but he sent his son in the fullness of time. The Greek there is kairos, when the time is ripe, when it's ready, when all the things have fallen together in place, then the redemptive work of God unfolds. Uh, in, in, in a manner that we can recognize. The Lord Jesus uh, came at that time. Even in the eternal purpose of God. And in, in the grand design of God. We see he's working according to time. Ephesians 1 verses 9 and 10 says this. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times. He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So right now, things may seem a little out of hand. Things may seem a little chaotic. You know, we're all asking, we may be asking the question, why doesn't God just jump and get rid of the devil and make peace on earth and, you know, just change everything? Why isn't God doing all of that? We're in a hurry. We seem ready for this. God isn't doing anything. Why? Because he's got a time. In the dispensation of the fullness of time, the Kairos time, the time when it is ripe, ready, God will gather all things to him. So so the redemptive work of God has this key element of time. Even in, in the lives of individuals, you can look at an example like Job. Job went through his troubles. God didn't just suddenly appear on the scene and just change everything. No, he went through it and then God stepped in and he restored Job. In the case of Joseph, who was sold as a slave, he went through what he went through. And then in one day, he moves from prison to being prime minister. 
Bible says when the word of the Lord, the, the time of his word came, this happens. And we know this. We know that God makes all things beautiful in his time. We know that. You see other examples of, 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 of this in, in scripture. Peter's writing to the believers. He's saying, you know, I want you to maintain your testimony. I want you to behave right. Why? So that unbelievers around you, those who don't believe, in the day of visitation, 1 Peter 2 and verse 11, 12, in the day of their visitation, they will know. They'll, they'll remember your testimony, the life you've lived, and they will look to God. For a woman in the church of Thyatira, Thay- um, who was you know, leading people in sexual morality and living, doing all of that, the Lord just doesn't you know, strike her down dead or anything. But what does, he, what does the scripture say? God says, the Lord says, I gave her time. To repent. I gave her time. To repent. And only if she doesn't still. I mean still doesn't. Then God. Lord's going to. Carry out his judgment. Or concerning the city of Jerusalem. Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. In Luke 19. And. And. He says that you fail to recognize the time of your. Visitation. Look. Right here. This is your moment. This is your time of visitation. But you're unable to recognize it. So. As we invite God to do his redemptive work in our lives, in certain areas of our lives where things may not be right, or as we be his agents to bring his redemptive work in the lives of those around us, we must keep this key element in, in mind as we work with people or receive his work in our own lives. That God will, is always at work, but he is bringing us to that Kairos time, that Kairos moment, that moment when things are ready for his redemptive work to unfold in a powerful way. So, we must not run ahead of God. God, you got to hurry up God. I'm getting impatient here. Or neither do we lag behind God. We learn to walk in step with God as he unfolds his redemptive work. So, take an example. Let's say if um, you are praying for, you know, let's just, I'm just using this as an example. Let's say your son or daughter has just gone away from God. Now as a parent, you really want them to walk with God. The wrong thing to do is keep hitting them on the head with the Bible every day. And sometimes we think the harder we hit, the quicker they'll get saved. So you keep banging them. And then you say, God, why aren't you doing something? Understand the process of time. The element of time. God will and is always at work in their lives. Sometimes you you and I are unable to recognize it because we are a little more spiritual than God, you know. <laughs> and we are unable to recognize it, but God is and always at, is at work. And he's working in them to bring them to their day of salvation. To that carvous moment when their hearts will be ready and, 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 and you know, various things in their life would, would have been addressed and they will receive. But sometimes we get impatient with God. We call all the prayer towers, all the it's got to happen now you know listen key element time so what should you and I do co-labor with God understanding that there is this element of time so as God is at work what should I do what should we do sow seeds in faith keep sowing those seeds his word will never return void the seed of his word is more powerful than any work of the devil Keep sowing the seed. Now, don't make the mistake of digging up the seed and say, how is it doing? (laughs) 
Be like, oh, man, I sowed a seed yesterday. Let me dig up and see how is it doing. You, know? you do that, the seed, you'll destroy the seed you sowed yesterday. So just sow the seed. Have confidence in the power of his word. One seed of God's word is more powerful than a million works of the devil. Just sow the seed faithfully. And then water that seed in prayer. That declaring God's word in faith over their lives. Just water that seed that's going on in their hearts. Just water it faithfully. Demonstrate the love, the mercy, the kindness, the patience of God. You are the one closest to him him or her. You're the one closest to them. They see God in you through you. So through your life, they've got to see the love, the mercy, the kindness, the goodness of God. It's got to come through you. Be an accurate picture of the unseen God for them. And speak hope, speak restoration, speak redemption over their lives. Co-labor with God in, through this process of time. The same thing for your own personal life. And maybe there's an area of your life you're saying, God, I need to see your redemptive work. I need to see this area of my life redeemed. Go through time. Have faith. Hold on in faith. Speak words of faith. Build up your own faith in God. Just, just be patient with God. Let God get things together to see that area of your life redeemed. Amen? Are you with me so far? The second key element in God's redemptive work is sacrifice. Redemption is possible because of a redemption price. We may use other terms like ransom or mediator or sacrifice. The Lord Jesus gave himself as a ransom or a redemption price for all. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 and 6 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time or to be made known or to be announced in due time. So there's one God, there's one mediator, and he gave his life as a ransom, a redemption price, a sacrifice. So the redemption price, the sacrifice, is an atonement for the wrong that's been done. It's a cancellation of the debt. It's, and, and this atonement then makes redemption possible. A debt's been paid because of the price. In the Old Testament, we see many pictures of this. There were animal sacrifices. One great thing is the Day of Atonement. They took sacrifices, made atonement for the forgiveness of the sins of people. The kinsman redeemer, if he wanted to redeem somebody in debt, he paid their debt. Sacrifice. Somebody paid. Now, these sacrifices were not not only uh, these Offerings of animals or burnt uh, sacrifices. There were also spiritual sacrifices like uh, intercession, worship, which brought about redemption in the lives of people. The book of Job, which is the oldest book in the Bible. And like we said last Sunday, you know, it, it seems like a huge book, 42 chapters. But really, it's a record of something that transpired in a matter of months. Job's uh, friends were with him for a week. So all the conversation took place in a week's time. And Jewish scholars would tell us, you know, this is probably a few months, maximum 12 months. But in that old, oldest book of the Bible, there is the understanding that redemption is possible because of the payment of a ransom. 
Elihu, as he speaks with Job, makes these statements in Job 33, verse 23 and 24. He's talking, talking about a man who's going away from God. And here's what he says. He says, if there is a messenger from him, a mediator, one among a thousand, to show man his uprightness, then he, that is God, is gracious to him, that man who, who's in sin and doing things wrong, and says, deliver him from going down to the pit, I have found a ransom. So when there is a mediator, and God responds and says, that man, he, he's going down to the pit, things are going bad in his life, he's about to die, but deliver him because I have found a ransom. Job, as he goes through his troubles, he longs for one thing, and you find this repeated in the book of Job. In Job chapter 9, verses 32 and 33, Job says, He, that is God, is not a man as I am, that I may answer him, that we should go to court together. Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hands on us both. So Job is saying, look, you know, I can't go to court with God, but I wish there was a mediator, somebody who would stand between me and God. He repeats this again in chapter 16, verse 21. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleads for his neighbor. I wish there was somebody who would plead for me with God. I'm looking for a mediator, is what Job is saying. And he is going through all of his problems, all his troubles. What's he looking for? He's looking for a mediator. I wish somebody would stand before God on my behalf. We see Moses interceding for the people of God in order for them to be delivered. In Psalm 106 and verse 23, just one example, it says, Therefore he, God said that he he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the bridge to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. So Moses stood in the gap. He stood before God on behalf of his people as a mediator, as an intercessor. Now, here's what I want us to understand. That Christ's work on the cross is a completed work. There is no question about that. That he, his work on the cross is, is a work that completes everything needed for our redemption. There is nothing more we can add to that. And yet God invites all of us to be his agents to take that redemptive work into the lives of people. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors for Christ as we beseech you on his behalf, be reconciled to God. We are his ambassadors. We are standing in between God and a world that he wants reconciled to himself. Paul wrote this, it's quite astounding in Colossians 1. He says, I make up in my body what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. That's shocking. He's saying, What are you saying, Paul? Are you trying to add to the sufferings of Christ? I mean, was there anything lacking in the sufferings of Christ? No, nothing lacking in the sufferings of Christ. But I am doing my part of the sacrifice to take his sacrifice and make it effective in the lives of people. And he says, that's why I labor, serving the Gentiles, to present every man perfect in Christ. So here's what I want us to understand. That in the redemptive process of God, For us to take his redemptive work into the lives of people, we make the sacrifice. So what sacrifice? 
Sometimes it could be as simple as leaving Bangalore and going to Varanasi. So what do you mean? Yeah. Christ died 2000 years ago on the cross, but it will not make any difference for those people in Varanasi unless some some of us are willing to get out of our comfort zone and leave our nice comfortable beds and you know the early morning coffee and whatever and and go to a place like that and sleep you know somewhere whatever and and be make that sacrifice for those people who've not heard who've not understood to bring that message to them you are now being that mediator in order for the redemptive work of that of, of jesus christ to come and touch somebody in that place Sometimes it's the sacrifice of worship. Now I was just thinking about what we did in Mysore. Now we spent a night in worship and I saw this is, this is such a powerful strategy. Why? Because in Mysore year after year after year for decades, maybe centuries, there's been processions of worship and, and, and all kinds of things happening uh, to gods and goddesses. And here we are as God's people coming together to lift up in unison, coming together, lift up worship and praise and adoration to the Most High God. What an impact it will have on the spiritual atmosphere. But somebody's got to go do that. You could have spent the night in bed, but you had to be there worshiping, lifting up praise to God. And this is where I want us to see the place of intercession. How important it is to be that mediator. The one who stands before God on behalf of somebody who needs to experience a redemptive work in their lives. That when you intercede, when you pray for them, you are making a sacrifice to administer God's redemptive work into their lives. So spiritual sacrifices such as intercession is a key element in God's redemptive process. He redeems Because he finds a ransom, a sacrifice, a mediator, an intercessor. That is why you interceding for someone else is key to God's redemptive work in their lives. It's key. Once again to clarify, I am in no way discounting or discrediting the work of Christ on the cross. That is complete. But for that to be effective in somebody's life. You and I are involved in the process. And that sacrifice comes from us. Whatever it might be, whether it's prayer, whether it's worship, whether it's you sacrificing in some other way in order to bring that work of Christ's cross to their lives. It's important. The question is, are you and I willing to sacrifice? Especially in prayer. Because nobody sees you doing that. Nobody comes and says, oh, Good job, man. You were praying. No one will know that you even did it. Are you willing to do that? In order to see God's work take place in somebody else's life. Now even they may not know that you're praying for them. They may not know. But that's needed. The third key element is forgiveness. You with me so far? The third key element is seeing God's redemptive work in somebody's life is forgiveness. Redemption results in forgiveness. The Bible says Ephesians 1, I think it's verse 8, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. It results in forgiveness. But this forgiveness has to be made known. It has to be given. It has to be released to people. So as we are working with people, we must bring the assurance of forgiveness 
into people's lives. They need to know they are forgiven. No matter what wrong you've done. No matter how much you've gone away from God. Gone astray from God. God forgives. There is forgiveness. Bring the assurance of forgiveness to them. You know, Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. He, he first of all starts with how bad they were. He says, some of you, you know, are, are thieves and adulterers. And, and he gives a long list of all the wrong things. And then he says, such were some of you. But now you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. Now it's clean. You're forgiven. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So it's bringing the assurance of God's forgiveness in their lives. And we must also release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. It's part of God's redemptive work. Releasing forgiveness. Sometimes we say, you know, how can we release forgiveness? Well, if if, if God has forgiven them, then we should not hold it. Against them. We have no right to hold it against them. So just releasing forgiveness. Is powerful. Think about Stephen. A man being stoned. And at that moment. You know he didn't say. Hey hey, count it quick. Count it quick. All the stones coming in. Stone them back. He didn't say that. He said. Father. Forgive them. Forgive them. And as he released forgiveness. He was setting them up. To receive God's redemptive work for their lives. The very man who was watching over his stoning. Saul. Had his encounter with Jesus Christ. Father forgive them. Releasing forgiveness. Setting them up. To receive God's redemptive work. In their lives. The redemptive process of God also includes. Receiving people into a community. That sees and treats people as forgiven. Amen. As redeemed people. That means we don't hold their sins against them. You know, think about the man in the Corinthian church. He sinned. He sinned against God. Committed sexual immorality. Paul writes to the Corinthian church. In the first episode. Telling them to discipline him. It's pretty strong. First Corinthians 5, he says, you've got to get him out. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Even if he's a brother, you now treat him as an outsider. If he's not willing to repent. So we don't overlook sin. We don't pretend that sin is not sin. We call sin, sin. And sin needs to be repented of. You need to say, repent of it. So in First Corinthians, Paul writes, you've got to get rid of him. Got to get him out. He's got to repent of it. So we don't want to overlook the fact that there is sin, there's wrongdoing that needs to be repented of. It has to be. But at the same time, when a man repents, we've got to extend forgiveness. And so in his second epistle, in Second Corinthians, Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, Okay, the punishment that you've now dealt to that man is enough. Forgive, receive, and love. Just read, look at those verses there in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. This punishment 
which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. We're not overlooking sin. We're not pretending sin does not need to be repented of. We need to deal with it. It has to be repented of. And that's what happened in the first episode. Now he's saying, okay, this is it. It's enough. Verse 7. So that on the contrary, you ought to rather to forgive and comfort him. Lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. He's calling the church to be a community that recognizes God's forgiveness. Recognizes that uh, repentance and, and then says look we are reaffirming our love for you. But to this end I also wrote that I might put you to the test. Whether you are obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive anything I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Look, look, when you extend forgiveness, I'm there, I'm forgiving him, receive him back. The book of Philemon is a very interesting letter. It's just one chapter. Paul writes to a man named Philemon uh, in Colossae, who has a church, he and his family have a church in the house, in their home. The church meets in their home. And Philemon is a well-to-do man, probably had a large house, people were gathering in his house, and the church met there. Now Philemon had a servant in his house, whose name was Onesimus. And uh, what Onesimus did is, you know, at some point he just, you know, something wrong happened. He, he stole things from Philemon's house and he ran away from Colossae. He runs on the way, comes to Rome, and there is this big God incident. He runs right into the Apostle Paul in Rome. And Paul reaches out to him, leads him to Christ. So now Onesimus has received Christ, but he's done some wrong things. He's stolen stuff from Onesimus, uh, from Philemon. And that needs to be attended to, it has to be addressed. So Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon, but he says, you carry this letter with you. As soon as you arrive at the door, give this letter to Philemon and stay away. Until he reads a letter, and then after that, everything will be alright. So that's the book of Philemon. And essentially, Paul writes to Philemon and says, listen, your servant Onesimus has done wrong. He's run away. But now he's a changed man. He's saved. God's forgiven him. And I'm sending him back to you. I want you to receive him as a brother. Not just as a servant. And if there's anything that, that he owes you. I'll pay it. Most likely Philemon will say Paul you don't bother. You know. But he just says that. And look at these verses here in Philemon. I'm just picking out a few. He says, I am sending him back. Verse 12. I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. Receive him as you receive me. My own heart. Verse 16. No longer as a slave. But more than a slave. A beloved brother. Especially to me. How much more to you. Both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner. Receive him as you would me. So what he's saying, I want you, and this letter is addressed not only to Philemon, but to the whole church in his house. So he's telling Philemon, I want you, I want your family, I want the entire church to receive this man as a brother. Forgive him. Don't hold it against him. 
So the redemptive work of God includes forgiveness. Sometimes we need to learn to forgive ourselves. Receive assurance of God's forgiveness to us. Sometimes we need it when we're working with other people, we need to release forgiveness to them. And as a church community, we need to release forgiveness to people. We are not condemning sin. Uh, We are not condoning sin. For example, if a homosexual comes in here, we're not going to say homosexuality is not sin. It is sin. But we're going to love the person. You could say amen. (laughs) We're going to love the person. But we're not going to condone that lifestyle. It's wrong. But we love the person. If there's any one of us who sins, we're not going to overlook that sin. We're going to address it. It needs to be repented of. But when there's repentance, the redemptive work of God calls us to extend forgiveness to that person. Welcome him back into the community. And never, never, never talk about that again. Because that's gone. So if you and I, if we as, if we are to be a community that co-labors with God in His redemptive process in this world, we must practice the power of forgiveness. If God does not bring up our sins from the past, we have no business bringing up other people's sins from their past. If you agree, say amen. Amen. That's being a redemptive community. You refuse to talk about their past. You refuse to do it. Why? God's forgiven them. And we are a redemptive community. We are a people who are here to extend forgiveness to one another. And and love and look beyond those things. If we are to bring the redemptive work of God into their lives. To see people redeemed and restored. The last key element in God's redemptive process, and I will only mention it here, I won't deal with it in depth, is restoration. We talked about this last Sunday. How that that God in his redemptive work seeks to take things back to their original state and even beyond. He takes them to a place that is much better than what it was before. That as we look to God to redeem things in our own lives, that we must believe God for restoration and taking things beyond what it used to be. But keep in mind that restoration often is a process. It's a work over time that God unfolds in our lives. So we co-labor with Him. Don't get impatient even for restoration. Walk with God to see things restored in our lives and the lives of people around us. So in closing, we must believe God for restoration and work and work towards this in our own lives and the lives of those around us. God is our redeemer. He wants to see things redeemed in our lives and the lives of people around us. And we must learn how to co-labor with God to see things redeemed. Understand how God works. Understand how God brings his redemptive work in the lives of people. Don't fight against it. Don't uh, be in a hurry and say, God, why aren't you doing it fast enough? God, hurry up. What's my waiting list, Lord? (laughs) No, just work with him patiently as he unfolds his work in the lives of people. And he is redeemer. He will restore. He will bring things back 
together. Amen? Let's take some time to pray, please. I just request you to stand and call our worship team up here this morning. Let's take some time just to pray together, minister to one another. If there are people here this morning and you want to see, you know, you just want somebody to pray with you, to be a mediator before God and for you this morning, just to see God's redemptive work in your life, in any area of your life. It could be your finances, it could be your professional life, it could be your family, it could be something else. But we want to be that a redemptive community. We want to work with each other, for each other, and for people outside to see God's work take place. So what I want to ask, ask to do is if you would just like somebody to pray with you, and it could be for some need in your life. It could be some of us here this morning who may need to receive Christ into our heart, into our lives, so that our sins will be forgiven and be saved. Or it could be something, some need in your life. And you just would like somebody to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand up. And I'm going to ask people around you to pray with you, pray for you, to be that mediator, to be that intercessor for you this morning. So if you don't mind, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, just lift your hand up. Then we're going to have people go come to you. So just look around you. See, I see some hands up here, round up in the balcony as well. Just put your hand up and let people come to you. Just turn around, look around. There are people who need help. Just, just go pray with them. I see a hand up there. I see there's nothing to be embarrassed here. I see a hand up. Bring your back up there. Hey there. Just look around. There are people who have their hand up. Just go to them. Just pray with them. Just turn around and just pray. You can ask them if you wish, you know, what, do you want? what can I pray for you? They'll tell you in one sentence. You know, pray for my family. Pray for my job. Or I want to receive Christ. I want my sins to be forgiven. They'll just say that and just pray over that. All right? So let's do that. You need prayer. Just put your hand up uh, until somebody comes to you. If some, once somebody comes to you, then you can put your hand down and they will pray over your life. Just put your hand up. Anybody from the balcony? Anyone else? Okay. Let's just go ahead and just pray. Pray for them. Take time to pray right now. Just go ahead and pray. Others, everyone else, just pray. Just pray. God, we pray for your redemptive work to take place, God. The lives of people, even those who raise their hands up, just accepting that somebody could pray for them. Somebody could be a mediator for them this moment. Oh God, we pray for them. Those who raise their hands up, we pray. Father, that your redemptive work will take place in their lives, Father. Whatever area of their lives where they need help, your redemptive work will take place. And there may be others, God, who haven't raised their hands. We're making their silent prayer. Father, we are asking for things to be redeemed, restored in the lives of people. We thank you, God. And Father, we pray that you'll make us a redemptive community, God, a, a people who will always seek Your redemptive work in the lives of people. No matter how badly bruised they might be. No matter how worn and torn they might be. And when we see them, we will see them with your redemptive heart and your redemptive eyes. We will see hope. We will see that you can 
take ashes and, and bring beauty out of ashes, God. And we can see that you turn mourning into dancing, God. We will look at people, we will look at situations and circumstances with redemptive eyes. Teach us, God, how to co-labor with you. How to partner with you, God. To touch people in our city and across our nation, God. Teach us how to do that. So that people may know that you love them. That people may know you care for them. That people may know that you can do wonderful things in their lives, oh God healing them, touching their families, their homes. But they will know you can do wonderful things. Jesus, you 
in us, in our hearts, in our lives. And thank you, God, for what you are preparing us for. To be that community, God, that will reach the world around us. Your redemption. Touching lives and seeing people restore it. And I pray, Father, for grace on each one, that you'll use each one here as we go forth this week in our schools, in our colleges, in our places of work, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods, that we will be a redemptive people. Seeing things brought to you. Brought to the way it should be before you. Release that grace, that anointing, that that mantle upon our lives. We thank you. Because Jesus, you are Redeemer. You are Redeemer. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for being here this morning. You guys are looking happy or sad or what? <laughs> are you happy? Amen. God bless you. Have a good Sunday. I'll see you again next week. Have a great week. Amen. God bless you. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.